All right, all right, all right. Day 188. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast uh, where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. We don't just say that every day. We mean that every single day. All right, Isaiah 61, it starts off and it says this, the spirit of the Lord God is on me hmm, because the Lord has anointed me hmm, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the pres- to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. That text be preaching itself, don't it? Hey, <laughs> hey, that text preach itself. Who is talking? Who is talking? Listen, we learn, whoever it is, that this person is anointed with the spirit of the living God. The verb he uses for anointed is the verbal form of the Hebrew word Mashiach. It is Mashiach, right? It is the word for, it's a, um, related to the word Messiah, right? So this guy is, or this person is a messianic-like figure, right? He has the spirit like the king prophesied in Isaiah chapter 11 and the servant in Isaiah 42, right? He is this bringer of good news. He gonna preach that gospel, you feel me? He he proclaims liberty to the captives. He heals, he proclaims a jubilee. He will, he will bring a type of end-time fulfillment to the year of jubilee. Do you remember the year of jubilee? Year of jubilee, every seventh Every seventh seven years, so every 50th year, when there was there was a cancellation of all debts, there was a freedom for all slaves, and the land that people had was returned to their original owners. So 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 this person is going to bring an end time jubilee. But also he provides for the mourners, for the weary, for the weak. And it's amazing because Luke chapter four, Jesus gets up. And you know how he summarizes his ministry. <laughs> New Testament scholars say that. No, no, no. This is a summary of all that Jesus is going to do and say. Luke chapter 4, I believe it's 16 to 18. The text is not in front of me right now. You can double check me. Um, when he gets up and reads the scroll in the synagogue, right? Jesus comes on the scene and says this. So in other words, the jubilee that took place in Israel in the last days when Christ actually comes will provide, he will provide this ultimate, final, climactic freedom and release. And this is good news. And this is a reversal of the fortunes of God's people personally and corporately. Jerusalem's going to be rebuilt. We've been saying that all this whole time. Renewed people in a rebuilt and renewed city. Their status will be restored as God's priest, the text is going to say, as those who would be his means for reaching the nation. Shame and disgrace will be transformed into joy. The covenant that was once breached and broken will now be firmly in place in such a way that it can never be broken. This is speaking of the work of our Messiah, the work of our King. Listen, he brings a freedom that is found nowhere else, right? And he further illuminates the nature of this restoration as he talks about the restoration of Zion in 62, right? He brought it up in 61, but he continues it in 62 from the work of this Messiah. And what strikes me about the first portion of 62 is the royal 
imagery present in it. Look what he says. He says, nations will see your righteousness and all kings. Check it out. Kings will see your glory. <laughs> you will be a glorious crown. Look at the imagery there. The, a glorious crown in the Lord's hand and a royal diadem in the palm of your God's hand. Listen, Yahweh, the God of the Bible, the God of the universe, the one true God displays his royal and kingly authority in the changing of the nature and condition of his people and of his world. Right. And we as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, get to share in the rule and reign of God. And we will forever. Right. We will forever. And I think for us, we have to remember that we testify now to the kingship and the rule and reign of Jesus by living lives like Jesus. Right. By living lives that are actually different from how they used to be, right? From being actually changed, right? Living as changed, renewed people, we testify to the Lordship of Christ. We testify like, no, no, no. We don't go the same way the world goes. We don't go the same way that everybody else does because we have a different Lord. And the people of God, according to this text, would fully experience the rejoicing and pleasure and delight of the Lord. Right. When this restoration comes, remember, we're talking about restorations 56 to 66. Right. Of, of Isaiah restoration. When it comes, they'll experience the delight of the Lord. And what he's saying is this. Listen, what we are so often moved to tears by now when we worship with the people of God, the thing that compels us in our highest Moments, the thing that brings us the utmost experiential contentment and satisfaction in this age will be a never ending, ceaseless experience in the next age. That's all he's saying. That's why he continues to use language around uh, rejoicing and delight. Right. And God, the text says, no, no, no he's sworn, fam. Like he's he's sworn like he it it is impossible for it not to take place right so therefore um our hope can be fixed and firm 63 comes 63 comes and it's hard it's so good what it shows is um it talks about the day of the lord right remember the day of the lord is this um uh this motif that's kind of like present all throughout the prophets and they talk about the day of the lord is gonna come in the last days right it, uh, it means uh, a variety of things but depending on the context but here the day of the lord is talking about the lord's vengeance right when he comes and he conquers victory over the nations now remember in order for christ to establish his kingdom that is not of this world he must place judgment on the kingdoms that are of this world look what the text says here why are your clothes red hard and your garments like one who treads a wine press I trampled the wine press alone and no one from the nations was with me. I trampled them in my anger and ground them underfoot in my fury. Their blood spat, uh, spattered my garments and all my clothes were stained. In other words, he's saying, no, nah, no, nah, my, my garments ain't red because red my favorite color, chief. Like that's that's not why my garments are red. He uses this interesting language and all the text is saying is that the day of salvation that is to come at the end of time that the people of God were looking forward to and that we look uh, forward to as well in some sense will be about the saving of his people from the enemy and the actual destroying and defeat of the enemy and enemies of God as well. So in other words, this oracle from Isaiah says that on the garment of 
of the Lord, on the garment of the king, on the garment of Yahweh is not his own blood, but the blood of those who come against him. Right. The text is just so like um, it's so much imagery. Right. It's so vivid. I think that's where I was. Like, yeah, it's so vivid. Right. And day is verse six says are under the wrath of God. Right now, it's interesting because the movement of Isaiah shows the movement of history and the book of Revelation picks up on this so well. The Bible is so intricate. I love it because Christ sheds his blood. Right. Christ sheds his blood for sinners. We know that at the cross. But he comes back to bring judgment on the nations. Right. This is why Revelation 19, 13 talks about Jesus's garment being stained with blood just like this text did right so we already seen in isaiah 53 right where the servant the servant king is going to actually lay down his life and die right blood but here in isaiah uh 63 oh it's interesting 53 and 63 any fp um 50 in 63 we see that he has blood on his garment and it's the same way in uh the end of time right christ spread his blood at the cross but he, at the cross but he'll also um have blood on his garment in the last days from trampling upon the enemy ultimately this enemy is satan right um so 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 he he accomplishes this victory on the people's behalf and this is being foreshadowed and prophesied here in this text this is why isaiah is so good it's so much it's so much stuff in isaiah fan we can't even get to it all but um the text takes a sharp turn for a moment after this for a moment of reflection uh, to bring up and highlight the Lord's grace, right? So here is the compassionate and faithful love of the Lord that has acted on behalf of his people. So he's saying, no, 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 this is not just God is just a fighter, right? It's like, man, you know, people be like, yo, you a lover or a fighter? I'm a lover, not a fighter, right? All this stuff. No, no, God is both. <laughs> like he, he, in a sense of, he, he, and his love dominates that equation because his love is the reason he's fighting, right? That's, he's fighting for his people, right? And so he is, uh, seen here as the it's seen here as the compassionate and faithful love of the Lord that is acted on behalf of his people. It is the compassionate and faithful love of the Lord that is acted acted on behalf of you and I as well, right? But Israel Israel says like, like we were wilding, right? Like no no we was the ones. The text says grieved the Holy Spirit. Paula picked this up in uh, Ephesians, I believe, chapter four. Um, he says um no no we we were the ones who grieved the Holy Spirit. We we disobeyed. We didn't live up to our end of the agreement the covenant right and listen regardless god remembered his covenant promises god remembered his promises even when we forgot god remembered his covenant promises even when we forgot his covenant stipulations right we he he remembered it and he says you still brought forth the exodus right but he's bringing this up to say no no lord we need you now right we we, we need you now and the plea that spills over into the first verse of 64 is fire he says this if only you would tear the heavens open and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. What happens when you turn to the New Testament? I know I keep going to the New Testament because this is a fifth gospel. There's so much about Christ and Jesus here. Oh, my God. What happens in the gospels is that the heavens actually tear, fam. The heavens open and we are pointed to the person and work of Jesus. We're pointed to Christ. And the longing here in the prophet is the longing for God himself. And I wish I had time to talk about underneath our deepest desires is the longing for someone who can meet every one of them. Right? Underneath our deepest desires, fam, is the longing for someone who can meet every one of them. They call on God. They call on God in this text to come to come through and do only what he could do 
right? He is the one that is so thunderous and mighty that mountains shake in his presence, that nations that oppress them don't stand a chance. And the beauty of it is that Isaiah calls on the Lord to come and his people are those that wait for his coming. Right. In other words, the hope for you and I, as we look around at the desolation, at the disfigurement of the world we live in, just like Judah lived in, the only hope we have is that someone, the only one who could fix it, will come physically, bodily, truly, really to intervene and make things right. Right. We listen, our ultimate, the ultimate solution to what's wrong with the world is not a political political uh, policy, even though the, even though they, they can be helpful. It's not us p- picking ourselves up by our own bootstraps, even though that can be helpful. It is not right. Another program. It is not better technology. It is not some guru. It is not. Some, it is not. It is not. It is not. Right. It's God. <laughs> And the worst thing in the world is, it's interesting because the worst thing in the world is um, to convince yourself to wait on something or to wait on someone that is absolutely never coming, right? It's like we're waiting on God. But the worst thing in the world, dog, like would be to convince ourselves that God is actually coming and he's actually not coming, right? But the most hopeful thing in the world is to rest in one that is guaranteed that he will and one that is proven that he will. (laughs) It's interesting that when Christ came to the world, fam, people don't realize that he fulfilled so many prophecies of a Messiah coming, of God coming of the new exodus of bringing the new creation he brought the new creation forward in his resurrection and the the fact that god kept his word about jesus coming is uh firm enough for us to put our hope and trust in that he will keep his word about jesus coming again right this is something that is going to happen and this gives us confidence in a king and a kingdom that can't be shaken and because we have our confidence in a king and a kingdom that can't be shaken Hebrews chapter 13 our confidence can't be taken let's pray God we ask for the confidence today to believe what you have promised to look back at the way you fulfilled your promises and let that fuel us to serve you as fervently as we know how this age. We love you and